And welcome again to the Disability Law Show. You want to reach out to Savannah, member of the team, one 855 821-5900 is the phone number anytime, absolutely toll-free, disabilityrights.ca, the website and the email address. Tack on a help at the beginning of that, help at disabilityrights.ca. And before we get into your uh, your week that was and numerous emails here, Savannah, I want to mention a, an amazing new tool that uh, Lior basically crafted, and you guys have been uh, putting the spit and polish on it for the last, uh, well, months, as a matter of fact, and now it's available for use. It is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and as the name would suggest, there's all kinds of avenues of help and um, information when it comes to employment law, but there's also a section on disability law as well, because as you say, and as you put it week after week, the interplay between the two is uh, is pretty robust, right? Yeah, John, I, I got to tell you something. Let, let, let me tell you some, some statistics on this, actually one statistic here, which is really amazing. Um, one of, one of our, our colleagues here at the firm uh, is tracking uh, how many people are actually accessing yeah. pocketemploymentlawyer.ca since we launched it uh, in Tuesday of last week. And uh, so far in the last few days, we're looking at just under 2,000 page views. No kidding. Wow. I mean, that's that's amazing. And so let's talk about this for a second. Pocket Employment Lawyers was born out of a need that we see um, people out there who are concerned with uh, reaching out to us or to any lawyers. They have employment questions about their employer. They have disability questions about their disability claim. And they simply are too hesitant or don't want to contact a lawyer, us or any other lawyer. And so we've created this tool. You know, this is the digital age. This is the, the AI age, yep. artificial intelligence. And what we've done is we've created this very simple tool where if you click and you choose your category, you know, if it's a human rights issue or a constructive dismissal, or a long-term disability claim, and there's a handful of questions where you just select uh, whatever applies to you. So for example, this, the first question asks you, what's the reason you can't work or you have difficulty working? Is it an illness, an injury, a combination of both? And you just click whichever one applies. And, and again, you have a few of those questions. And then at the end, remember, this is all anonymous and free and, and takes you know almost no time to do. At the end, the pocket employment lawyer does an analysis based on the information you've given it and it shoots out uh, uh, simple answers and simple analysis and 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 it, it it gives you a starting point because the last thing you want to do the last thing I want people to do John is go on Google and just type in their yeah. question you're gonna get so much misinformation so much wrong advice this is why we created this and again it applies not only to you if you have an employment matter but also if you are dealing with a long-term disability issue or if you're dealing with both you simply go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and I'm telling you, you're not going to be disappointed. Costs you absolutely nothing, and it's anonymous. You know, it's it, it's funny, and and you know, before that, there was of course the severance pay calculator, which at last call before it was uh, rolled into the pocket employment lawyer had 750 thousand uses. So I mean, this one's going to explode as well. So uh, so looking forward to it, indeed. Uh, week that was, what do you got going on, pal? Well, again, very, very busy week. And remember, John, we have uh, we have offices not only in Ontario but also in BC, in uh, uh, in, in in Vancouver. So, yep. so, so let me let, let me let, let me tell you about a a couple of uh, questions. One of them was an email that I had received from someone in British Columbia, and here's what the person writes: My partner has been fighting with, and then they give the name of the insurance company, for three years now, always coming up with something new on why he cannot have benefits. This is with respect to long-term disability. His employer has been good so far. He has a job kept open for him. However, that doesn't help when he cannot work. And now he's under more mental distress on top of his medical issues. 
We do not know what the next step is. Uh, we feel that he's an, at an impasse and the adjuster will not review his file as I have asked repeatedly. Thank you. So this is why you know this email touched me because uh, you're dealing with a case which, to be honest with you, is quite unusual where the employer is actually acting the way they should. Right. Fantastic. This employer has been great. But you have an insurance company that is not willing to budge and is not doing what they have to do and what they're supposed to do under the policy, which is to pay disability benefits. Here's my concern, though. They're saying that, or this lady saying that my partner has been fighting with this insurer for three years. That should uh, that should raise an alarm for you, yeah. John. Uh, we know that the limitation period for starting a legal claim in Ontario NBC is two years. Now, generally, it's two years from the date you were first denied or cut off benefits. There is some case law that suggests that it's possible that the clock resets down the road if you have an appeal and it gets uh, uh, rejected. But, you know, to be absolutely on safe ground, you should start a legal claim against your insurance company within two years of the initial denial or the cutoff of benefits. And my concern here is that they've gone on for three years now. It's possible that the reason the adjuster is now ignoring them and not paying attention to her request to review the file is because the adjuster knows and the insurance company knows that they now have no legal claim, no legal basis. Because right. if they start a legal claim now and they're beyond the two-year limitation period, the insurance company will appoint a defense lawyer who's going to knock off the claim in court. A judge will simply dismiss that claim. So you have to understand, when you are denied long-term disability, when you are cut off benefits, if you've been, been, been paid, you need to take action now. Don't waste your time with these appeals, right? If they've been going back and forth here for several years, for three years, most likely what's been happening is that they've been appealing and reappealing and reappealing. We talk about appeals in long-term disability claims all the time, John, and we keep saying it's simply not good to do and it's not good to do because they rarely work you, you, you understand it, it, these appeals are are, are it, it's it, it, it you know the odds are stacked for the insurance company in fact there are no odds because the insurance yeah. company has full control exactly you're yeah. playing you're playing against the house it makes no sense to do so when i talk about a legal claim when james talks about a legal claim we're talking about a different process altogether. We're talking about exerting real pressure on the insurance company. The insurance company understands that if we start a legal claim against it, if the case ever, ever got in front of a judge, they know they will lose. So they understand that economically it makes more sense to come to the table earlier rather than later. They understand that it makes sense to try and settle the case with us rather than take their chances in court. Because they know that if your doctors are saying that you are disabled, they know that in all likelihood a judge will agree and they will have to pay you not only what they had to pay you in the first place under the policy, but potentially their lawyers and your lawyers and, and potentially even more than that. So again, in this case, I don't know if we can help this person. Yeah who's been saying that the partner has been fighting with the insurance company for three years, I'm going to try and help them. Sometimes there are exceptions to that two-year rule, but you want to make sure you contact us immediately when you are denied your claim or if you are told that your benefits are going to be cut off. I want to leave you the phone number as we go into a quick break here, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll bounce over to see uh, some emails 
In just a couple minutes here on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show. It's simple to get a hold of Savannah or a member of his team. It is 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. If you haven't used it yet or at least checked it out for uh, for what it can do for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds, of course, about employment law on there, but the, the intertwining, I guess, as you say, between the two is, uh, is pretty large. So there's a section on disability law as well. It's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So before we get to Dennis's email, uh, I want to move on to one more case you want to talk about, right? Yes. So uh, we have that website, Mm mydisabilityquestions.com, which again, we've mentioned before, free website. You want to post your question about your disability issue uh, or friends or family members or colleagues. I will answer those emails. I answer those questions for free. So so on the point of the pocket employment lawyer, John, uh, here's a question that was posted by Carol from Hamilton. Uh, and it's a very it's a very quick uh, uh, question that she had, but it applies to to the pocket employment lawyer, uh, both from an employment standpoint and disability. Here's what she writes: She says, "I had a mild stroke last July and have lost my job. Can I apply for long-term disability?" Well, this is interesting, right? Because the question becomes: When was she, when did she become disabled? Uh, did she become disabled while she was still working, while she still had coverage? For long-term disability, you know, I have people contacting me sometimes who say that, look, I lost my job, uh, and and then right after I applied for long-term disability, and the insurance company rejected or denied my my application uh, because they are saying uh, uh, that, uh, that that I have no coverage. They're saying that in fact, uh, because I was let go from my job and I only applied after. I was let go from my job. Uh, I'm unable to get the, the the disability payments because there's no coverage. That's not correct. If you became disabled, if your doctors say that you became disabled while you still had coverage of long-term disability, it doesn't matter that you're applying after you were let go from your job. What matters is the date or the time frame when you became disabled and whether you had coverage at that time. Let me give you an example, John. Let's say that uh, you have a flood in your house. Let's say you had the flood in your house on July 1st, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's say that at the end of July, uh, y- your your coverage ended. You switched insurance companies. And you decided to make an application or to, to claim for the losses of the July 1st flood. Who do you make it with now? Do you make it with the insurance company that you had coverage with on July 1st or with the new insurance company? Well, you make it with whichever insurance company you had coverage on the okay. date of the flood. It's the same idea here. If you became disabled, uh, if you became disabled while you had coverage, then you should be getting long-term disability, and we can fight the insurer and force them to pay if they deny your claim. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the number. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's where we're going for uh, for Dennis. Dennis's email here says, I've been struggling with depression for many years. I work in the tech industry, and it's long hours and very short deadlines. I had a death in my family last year, and my condition became much worse. I started seeing a psychologist, or at least psychotherapist and psychologist, and I've been on antidepressants for a while now. I initially went on short-term disability with my company, and then when that finished and they told me to apply for long-term disability, I did that, but the insurance company sent me a letter saying that I am not, quote-unquote, you know what's coming, totally disabled. Uh, my psychotherapist and psychologist as well as my family doctor all agree that I can't work at this point. I appealed, and just this week, they denied me again. 
I'm exhausted with this process, and I don't know if it makes sense to continue hitting against the wall with these people. Any suggestions you have would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely, Dennis, and I'm very, very sorry for everything that's happened to you with the death in your family, uh, depression, everything else. Let's let's break down this email, John. First of all, to answer Dennis's last question, uh, don't continue hitting against the wall. I, I understand this whole appeal process is frustrating, it's exhausting, and, and frankly, it doesn't help your mental state. This is why we tell people when we take over, when we fight the insurance company, you're no longer going to get any phone calls or letters or emails from the adjuster. They're not allowed to contact you. They have to go through us. And, and you know, you feel like you're hitting the wall with these people. Let me tell you something. When we get involved, we become the wall that they hit against. And only that, we close in. We move forward. We don't just defend you. We attack them. And that's very important to understand because insurance companies, in my experience, Remember, I'm talking as a defense lawyer, as somebody who used to do defense work too. I used to work for insurance companies. Insurance companies understand one language, and that's force. They understand one language, not only force, actually. They understand the economic realities of the situation. They don't care about you. And I'm talking broadly here to the public. Insurance companies don't care about you. They're selling you. They're selling you uh, uh, this this idea of a peace of mind. When you listen to commercials on TV and radio, they're telling you they're going to be their your best friend on a rainy day and everything else. That's nothing can be further than the truth. They operate on a very simple principle: profit. And how do they make profit? By taking uh, premiums in and paying as little as possible, if anything. So, to go back, to circle back, Dennis, uh, I go sometimes, John, on these on these uh, soliloquies and diatribes, but you know, I, I'm passionate about this because I see people who are suffering. So let me tell you this. He has a psychotherapist. He has a psychologist. He's on antidepressants. There is zero reason why he is denied long-term disability. This idea of total disability, it, it, it's, it's a term that was created by the insurance industry to mislead you. They did not have to call it total disability because it doesn't mean that you have to be paralyzed. It doesn't mean that you have to be brain dead to qualify. All it means is that for the first two years, you cannot do substantial portions or aspects of your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, the test becomes, can you do any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? Note, nowhere does it say you have to be paralyzed. Nowhere does it say you have to be dead. Nowhere does it say you have to be brain dead. None of that. So they could have simply said, not totally disabled, they could have simply used the phrase, uh, disabled from doing your own occupation. But why would they use that? Yeah. If they use that, more people would be applying and more people would be would think that they, they, they're entitled to something. Instead, they say, you are not totally disabled. The word totally is misleading. I'm telling you it's an invented term by the insurance company industry, and it's there for one purpose and one purpose only, to dissuade you and to make you think that you have no rights when in fact you do. And those out there, those individuals who have contacted us and have stood up for their rights and have allowed us to fight for them, they will tell you unequivocally that it was one of the best things they've ever done because money that is owed to them, they finally got. Sometimes it's not only patients and people on disability that send us emails, it's on the other side of the desk, and that would be from doctors uh, asking some questions. We'll get to one of those emails after we uh, we take a short break here. The number to reach out, 
1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. It's the Disability Law Show. It's right here on Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. If you're just catching us for the first time, we talk about uh, your injury uh, and disability rights, and you want to reach out, you can do so. No problem. one 821 5900 is the number. Website is disabilityrights.ca and help at disabilityrights.ca to reach out through email. And if you haven't checked this out as well, it is, uh, it's new and it uh, took a long time to put together, but man, is it worth it? Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It says what the, uh, the name uh, says, and that is deals with employment law, but there's also a section on disability law there as well. So make sure you check that out. It's free. It's simple to use, but there is a contact button in a couple places if you want to uh, take it further. Pocket Employment Lawyer. .ca. This email, uh, next one's from Chandra Savan, says, I'm a family doctor. One of my patients told me about your program, and I caught it last weekend. It was very informative. I have treated quite a few individuals on disability and have written many letters in support of patients when requested by insurance companies. Unfortunately, I often find that my opinions are ignored and my patients get rejected for LTD. Is there anything I can do differently to help them and perhaps communicate better to insurers my medical opinions? Chandra, thank you so much for contacting us. John, this is just an example of you know proactive doctors. Yeah. And it's not just family doctors, it's psychologists, psychotherapists, uh, all kinds of people, OTs, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, people who contact me each and every week. And, and, and they, they, they are looking for the answers of how to help uh, their patients against these insurance companies because they get frustrated. Chandra, let me ask, uh, answer your question this way. Uh, there are things you can do to help your patient with uh, your patients with their long-term disability claims. Uh, the letters you provide in support it, it doesn't help if if you simply write a one-liner, for example, saying this person is disabled from working, please give him time off, or please pay him benefits. That doesn't help. You are the expert, the the, the doctor here, or or the the treatment provider. Uh, you are the one who can provide some uh, light and and you know expertise that explains why it is that the person is in fact unable to go back to work. So what I typically ask doctors to do when I interact with them uh, on on you know mutual that their patient, my client, is I will I will send them a letter and I will ask what is your diagnosis of my client's impairments or injuries. Uh, what treatment recommendations have you made? And is this individual following those recommendations? What is your prognosis? Uh, do you believe this person is capable from a functional standpoint to do uh, their job or, or any job really? I mean, it really depends on, on you know each case. Yep. This week alone, I had been working with some lawyers in my office uh, to, to compose two letters, one to an addiction specialist because we have a client that is an alcoholic and the insurance company has taken the position that uh, because he has had relapses, uh, he wasn't following treatment recommendations uh, and, and that's just not true because as people out there who deal with, with alcoholism understand, uh, the road to recovery is windy and very long. It's a disease. And so you can't simply say because the person stopped uh, doing something um, you know, with, within the rehab program that suddenly they're not following treatments f- from a broad standpoint, for, you know, from a broad viewpoint. So, so it's important that when a doctor or treatment provider provides a letter in support of a patient, for long-term disability, that they explain these kinds of things, the diagnosis, treatment, whether the person is following those treatments, prognosis, etc. And I will tell you this, Sandra, uh, Sandra uh, and I will say that to any practitioner out there, 
if your patients are having issues from a legal standpoint, obviously, uh, you feel free to contact us and feel free as well to let them know to contact me directly. I will speak with them. It will not cost them anything. I will not force them to do anything. I'll simply give them the information that they need. I will explain to them what their rights are. And John, this is really important to understand. Knowledge is power. You know, everyone is aware of that phrase, but really think about it. Insurance companies operate within, the, you know, within this world that they create this mirage for you. They create this illusion for you that you have no power because you are David and they are Goliath. And I, I want to really emphasize this to people out there. Yes, you are David, and yes, they are Goliath. But remember who won that fight. That's right. Just just remember that. You have a lot more power than you think you do. You just need the information. That information that I'm going to give you is that stone that David used to kill Goliath. So just remember that. So, Chandra, thank you very much for contacting me. Please, please, please tell your colleagues and tell your patients if they have issues with a long-term disability insurer and they need answers to contact me and my team. Yeah, that number, one 821 5900 is the number to use. Website, disabilityrights.ca. Email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. I know we uh, used it off the top of the show, but another uh, resource for you to ask questions, get them answered quickly is mydisabilityquestions.com. There's a good uh, high probability that a question like yours or similar to has been asked and answered in depth, so make sure you punch it in there first and uh, search. If not, leave it there, Savannah and his team. Get to it at all hours of the day and get back to you rather quickly. Lots more of the Disability Law Show is on the way. More of your emails after we uh, take a short break right here on Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamar can take it over today. James is off. He will return uh, next week. In the meantime, get into your emails. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number anytime. Toll free. one 821 5,900. Glenn, uh, you're up next, says my wife suffers from MS and her condition is deteriorating. She's 49 years old and has been on LTD for almost a year and a half now. We just received a letter from her insurance workers saying that her payments will end in March of next year, so 2020. They also said that they, uh, they want her to attend an assessment to see if she has transferable skills. I don't understand why we need to do this assessment if they are ending her benefits. Does she have to go to this appointment? It's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Yeah. Glenn, thank you very much. And I'm very sorry for your wife's condition and the situation that she finds herself in, especially not only with the MS, but now battling this stupid insurance company. And, and you know, think about this for a second, John. I, I keep saying that the relationship between individuals, uh, insureds, and cl- claimants and their insurance companies is governed by the contract, which is the policy, the LTD policy. So let's think about this for a second. Let's you know all put on our lawyer hat. Mm-hmm. The insurance company is saying that her payments will end in March of next year. So they've made a decision, a conscious decision, that she no longer qualifies after March. Okay. With that in mind, they now want her to go to an assessment to figure out if she has transferable skills. So that tells me, because we don't have this from Glenn, that tells me that she potentially could qualify beyond next March. Next March is probably the two-year anniversary of her LTD uh, uh, claim because usually that's when the test changes. The question is, at that point, can you do any occupation as opposed to your own occupation? That's why they send you to these transferable skills types of assessments because they want to figure out if you can do another job. Right. So, so they told her that they're not going to pay her beyond next March. Let's assume for a second that they're not supposed to do that. And frankly, I don't see how they could assess that if it's next March. You're talking about months and months in advance. 
how would they know if she would be capable of doing another job next March? It's just, it's, it's too far in the future. And the reason we know that it's too far in the future is because they actually are admitting that they don't know if she can do another job because they want her to go to this assessment right, right. to determine if she has those skills. They're putting the cart before the horse. So they've breached their agreement, as far as I'm concerned, by making that decision without foundation to cut her off. And at the same time, after breaching the contract, they're saying, but we want you to attend an assessment pursuant to the contract. So we breached the contract. We, 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 are, we are literally not doing what we're supposed to under the contract, but, but you have an obligation to do what you're supposed to under the contract. How does that make sense? <laughs> I know, it's silly. How does that if I was advising Glenn right now I would say if he was my cli- if his wife was my client I would say absolutely not she does not have to go to that appointment absolutely not if the insurance company has breached their end of the bargain if if they breached the contract we should be taking legal action right now we should start a legal claim and you know what that's going to work against them the fact that they put the cart before the horse this is one of those cases where I can see a defense lawyer coming on board taking a look at what this adjuster has done and just shaking their head, giving me a call and somehow trying to figure out if I would be amenable to tell my client to settle the case, which to be honest with you, I would not be in this case. I would want to squeeze them. I would want them to pay my client, Glenn's wife, a lot more than what she's owned under the policy because this is inappropriate. This is them taking a steps that I think victimizes the claimant. They're breaching not only the contract, but I think uh, the, you know, the, the good faith that they're supposed to have towards their claimants. Remember, insurance companies are in a position of power. They're supposed to help you. They're supposed to give you peace of mind. This does the exact opposite. And I think they need to pay for the fact that they've now taken this extreme step. There would be extra damages under anticipatory breach, would there not? Is that what you're talking about? Not under anticipatory breach. Anticipatory breach is a term, let's just make sure our audience understands, right. is when, when they're telling you they're going to cut you off in the future, uh, technically, uh, they're still paying you now. So technically, the contract from, from a temporal standpoint has not been breached because they're paying you right now. But okay. what they're telling you is that we're going to stop paying you next year in March, in Glenn Wife's case. And, and so it's anticipated that the breach will occur at that point. All we're saying is that the fact that they're already telling you they're going to breach the contract is already actionable. We can start something now. By the way, I want to, I want to mention something on this before I go into the, uh, the other damages you mentioned. Uh, some lawyers out there uh, will advise you, erroneously as far as I'm concerned, that in a case like this where Glenn's wife is told your payments will end in March of yeah. next year, we can try and work with the adjuster right now to avoid that, to stop them from actually cutting you off. In other words, they'll suggest that you appeal because you, ha- because you have time, right? We're only mm-hmm. in yeah. uh, October, November right now. They're going to tell you, well, it's March of next year. Let's just try to work with them. Let's not go through the legal claim process. I disagree completely. And the reason is this. They've now told you that in March of next year, you're going to fall off a cliff, a financial cliff. I'm sorry, I'm not going to advise my client to simply give the benefit of the doubt to the insurance company and the adjuster that's made that decision and hope and, and, and put all the eggs in one basket, hoping that perhaps we can persuade them through an appeal process to reverse their decision. I would rather hit them hard now, yeah. force them to the table. That way, there is a lot more of a possibility that either they're going to reverse course 
and not cut her off because of that legal claim, or they'll come to the table to try and resolve the claim in its entirety. But this is the key thing. You have to make sure that you be proactive now. The fact that they've told you that you'll be cut off in the future, it, that's not a lot of time. March is going to be here in no time. And then if you come to us at that point and we haven't done anything until then, it's just going to be more delay and you're going to be left with no money. Now, John, just before we end, I just want to make sure that I, I, I hit on that point you made, extra contractual damages. Yep. Unlike when you hire a contractor to do your basement and the contractor doesn't do a good job or, or just doesn't do a job at all, and then you go after them and you get the money that you're owed, whatever money you've paid them or whatever it costs you to get someone else to finish the job, in uh, insurance contracts, the law recognizes, the courts recognize that those contracts, insurance contracts, are our special type of contracts. They are contracts not for something, not for you purchasing uh, work or you purchasing a car or a fridge. These are contracts specifically for peace of mind. Right. And I say the phrase peace of mind, judges have used that phrase. When you purchase home insurance, travel insurance, health insurance, whatever, you're purchasing peace of mind. That's what you you are essentially buying. So for them to turn around and not only not give you that peace of mind, but now create the exact opposite effect, the law recognizes that not only are you entitled to whatever you're entitled to under the policy, but potentially for extra, extra damages to gotcha. compensate you for the aggravation and to punish them for their actions. So it's very important to understand that. one 821 5900 the toll-free number to reach out anytime. Back to your emails after a break. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. It's the Disability Law Show. It's on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show email is where we're going to go. Chris, up next, as a friend of mine at work, was robbed at gunpoint and assaulted two years ago. She was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and has been off of uh, work until she finally had a breakdown and was hospitalized about a year ago. She's been on disability with her insurance company, and now they want her to go see their therapist for treatments. She's very afraid to do that. She sees a psychiatrist regularly, and she is very comfortable with her and uh, concerned is that switching psychiatrists can make her condition worse. She expressed this concern to her insurance adjuster, but they insist that if she wants to continue getting paid, she has to go to their psychiatrist. Is she allowed to refuse, says Chris? Yes. Okay. Yes, she absolutely is allowed to refuse. The only way, the only way in the world that the insurance company can force her to do something, uh, and by force I mean to, to you know tell her she has to do it and be right about it, is if it's in the policy. Yeah. And I have never, ever seen an LTD policy that stipulates that you have to go to treatments at a clinic or with a provider that the insurance company dictates to you. Uh, I have seen provisions, in fact, those are common, that say that you have to follow reasonable treatments. Uh, I have seen provisions that say that you have to go through assessments, right, if they want to assess you by a doctor or a consultant or whoever it is they want you to see. That's fine. You have to go to see those. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and to do those. But in terms of treatments, no, no. You choose whoever it is that you want to go to. And I have a concern, John, when an insurance company says, we want you to see our guy or I, our girl. Why would they want you to do that? I mean, I'm skeptical and I'm suspicious, you know, and, and excuse me for, for, you know, watching for my clients, uh, you know, f being on guard for them. I have seen in more than one uh, instance where a person comes to me after they haven't sought advice on this issue and they've switched psychiatrists or doctors, chronic pain doctors, etc. And guess what? The new person, the one that the insurance company referred, 
uh, is is more abrasive, yeah. uh, perhaps is reporting to the insurance company that the person is doing much better than they actually are doing. So listen, I don't want to paint all these practitioners who are being suggested by insurance companies with the same brush. Some of them are good people. But consider this. If a particular treatment provider, a doctor, uh, an occupational therapist, a chiropractor, if these individuals are being referred uh, by the insurance company, there must be a reason for it. The insurance company must like them, right? And these individuals have a motivation of keeping the insurance company happy because that's how they get more people referred to them. Right. So, you know, there is this incestuous type of a relationship that I'm very weary of, and I think it's a conflict of interest as far as I'm concerned. I'm concerned about that. I'm very concerned. So, you know, to go back to, to, to this email, uh, Chris, your friend had a traumatic experience being robbed at gunpoint. There's no question that any court will accept that she has PTSD. And if she has a therapist at this point, she has a psychiatrist that she sees regularly and she's comfortable with, stay with that psychiatrist. I would absolutely not agree that my client suddenly switches to a psychiatrist that the insurance company is dictating that she should see for treatments. Get to another email here. This one comes from Mary, says, I was denied LTD twice now because the insurance company says that I don't have enough medical support for my disability. I'm in constant pain because of fibromyalgia and sciatica. I get injections and I take quite a few medications. I'm 52 years old and I've been worked. Uh, I've worked for most of my adult life in the television industry, which is very stressful and hard. I don't know what to do. I have a psychiatrist and a family doctor who both said that I can't work because of my condition and the insurance company just won't listen to them. I'm at the end of my rope. Why won't they listen? So that's, again, a very good question, a question I get quite often. So one of the most common reasons for denial, John, is when an insurance company says there is insufficient proof or insufficient documentation proving your disability, very, very common and, frankly, very unfair. Because what does that mean? If you have a doctor, in in Mary's case, you have a psychiatrist and a family doctor, and they say that this person, that Mary is disabled for, for X and Y reasons and is unable to go to work, what does that mean that there is insufficient documentation? I mean, the doctor has provided this information. Going back to you know the family doctor or the doctor that had contacted us before, John Chandra, uh, you know, I, I do hope the doctors out there and other treatment providers are listening. You can help your client, your your patient, sorry, uh, by by providing letters that are a bit more in depth. I'm not talking about doing a medical letter that is ten pages long. Mm. I'm talking about a fairly brief letter, but one that sets out your diagnosis of the impairments, the functional impairments, uh, the treatments, and the fact that your patient has been following those treatments and your prognosis specifically in relation to the fact that if in your opinion your patient is functionally unable to carry out certain tasks of their employment say that say that and say the person is still not better and it's your opinion the insurance company can't undermine that it's your opinion nobody's mm-hmm. saying that you should say a hundred percent this person is disabled for for life no one is saying or asking you to say that you just need to understand that insurance companies are looking for certain information And John, unfortunately, even when that information is given to them, oftentimes they still ignore it. But the reason why these letters are important is because they provide the context and the basis for us to fight the insurance company in the event of an unfair denial, such as in uh, Mary's case. And Mary, after the show, let's get together, give me a call, and I'm telling you, 
don't be at the end of your rope. You know, just let me deal with the insurance company on your behalf. Trust me, I can resolve your claim fairly quickly. Mary, you got the email address nailed down for sure. Here is the phone number to reach out, as Savan says, after the show. Toll free, one 855 821-5900. You can go to disabilityrights.ca. And if you haven't checked it out yet for you and everyone listening, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's a lots of information, of course, about employment law. But the other half of what the firm does would be disability and injury law. And there is a, a robust section on disability law there as well. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get to another email or two before we uh, wrap for this week's show. And uh, we'll do that after a short break. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. And welcome back to the Disability Law Show. You want to reach out to any time, one 855 help at disabilityrights.ca. That is the email address uh, that we use before we get to another one. You just had something come across your desk, right? I literally just had somebody contacting me cool. and I want to I want to talk about this. And I, I want to make people understand, I, I, I'm not going to really, I don't release names. And if you tell me not to talk about your case on the show, I will not mention it. And people have done that before. And, and sometimes I alter slightly some of the information just to make sure that I don't breach confidentiality. But generally, it's all, it's all accurate. Uh, but l- l- let me just mention this. So this individual here is in their 30s. Uh, the person was just cut off long-term disability uh, by a prominent insurance company. Uh, the person had a heart attack a few years back, suffers from depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, uh, he has a family doctor and a psychiatrist, both of who say that he is disabled from working. Uh, the reason why he was uh, cut off disability, so he initially got LTD, and then he was cut off recently, uh, last month actually, is because they say that he doesn't meet their definition of being totally disabled. Okay. Now, John, here's the kicker. Do you know what the position is of this guy? Like, Do you know what this individual uh, does? Well, of course you don't know because he emailed me. Right. I'll tell you. He's an insurance adjuster himself. Oh. And, you know, nice. I see this quite often. And, you know, I, I know people out there may think, oh, well, you know, good, you know, we're happy that this person who, who you know, himself was probably responsible for causing grief to other people is now, you know, feeling the brunt of, 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 of what these insurance companies are doing. No, I, I disagree completely. I do agree it's ironic. I do have adjusters and I've had actually, I've had fraud adjusters, adjusters who deal with fraud, who would swear up and down while they were working that every claimant is fraudulent. I've had those people come to me because they've been denied long-term disability. And then they tell me, you know, I finally understand what claimants are going through. So I feel for these people because understand these people are people, they're human beings. They are working for a master, and I say master in a singular sense, but really the insurance industry. Insurance, the insurance industry is there, again, to create profit, and the way they create profit is off of your backs. Now, sometimes they do what they're supposed to. Sometimes they pay claims, and sometimes they act appropriately, and sometimes you come across an adjuster like I had at a mediation uh, about a month or two back where the conclusion of the mediation, when we agreed on a settlement, the adjuster came over and hugged my client. That wasn't the adjuster who cut off my client initially. It's the one who ended up helping us resolve the case. But I'm saying there are good adjusters out there, and they're human beings. Now, this individual here, I want to go back to the email. So he has a psychiatrist. He has a family doctor. He suffers from, he had a heart attack, depression, PTSD, was cut off disability because he's not totally disabled, according to the insurance company. Absolute nonsense. Hmm. 
this idea of total disability. You're not totally disabled. Well, how, how was he totally dis- disabled up until the point when he was cut off? Right. What's changed? Have the doctors said that suddenly he had a miraculous recovery? I don't know. Maybe that happened. But there is zero reason why if your doctors or treatment providers are saying that you are functionally unable to work or do substantial aspects of your job or any job, depending on where you are doing that that LTD uh, claim, there is zero reason for the insurance company to take the position that you are not qualified to get LTD payments. And we can hit back. We can force them to the table. People out there may not believe me, but I'm not saying this for my health. I am telling you, there is a reason why there are disability lawyers like me out there, some better than others. There is a reason, and the reason is because we are able we are able to force insurance companies to the table. They don't want you to know that. I am telling you that. And if you don't heed that advice, and if you simply walk away from you know an unjust denial, even though you know you're disabled, you are leaving money, a lot of money in the insurance company's pocket, money that is owed to you and your family. Uh, just about a minute before we go, pal, give me your take on the pocket employment lawyer before we wrap. We talked about that already quite a few times, John. It's an amazing tool. It's free. It's it's new. If you're having any employment issues whatsoever, or if you have a long-term disability issue and you want to have some initial uh, thoughts as to how to approach your situation, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's a new tool. We just launched online tool, free, anonymous. Uh, you answer a few simple questions, uh, but by clicking, you know some some of the uh, the answers, and, and then that tool does an analysis and gives you uh, a, a very brief but but really good analysis of your case. It gives you a starting point, and then if you want to contact us beyond that, you're welcome to do so. But you don't pay for it. You don't put your name down uh, for anything. This is just an amazing, amazing tool, and we've had almost 2,000 views of that and uses, people using that tool uh, just in, in the last few days since, since, since we first launched it. It's a good one. We'll leave it for there uh, for now. Toll-free number to carry on after the show, one 821 5900 Email that we have been reading from, help at disabilityrights.ca. There's also my disabilityquestions.com to ask your questions there. And yeah, like Savan just mentioned, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Till next time, the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.